Hello, everybody. Thanks so much for coming out. We appreciate you joining us for the panel. Um, we're going to be talking about how AIs will be reshaping the role of, uh, in the film and TV industry. And uh, uh, Nico and I are co-founders of a company called Wonder Dynamics. And Engju and Antonio were so kind to join us on this panel. They traveled from Boston, and Engju is a professor at Berkeley. Um, so they made the trip out here, and we're so glad to have them here on the panel. Um, they sit on our advisory board. Uh, I will let everybody just do a quick round of introductions. We can start with Antonio, and he'll tell you a little bit more about who we are. Okay, well, um, I'm Antonio Torralba. I'm a professor uh, at MIT, working at the intersection between computer vision, human perception, and machine learning. And I've been working on this field for a long time, and uh, started dreaming about uh, working, doing research on, on this area uh, since I was a little kid. So I'm really happy you know, that some of those dreams became real. Super. Hi, I'm Anju Kanazawa. I'm an assistant professor at UC Berkeley. I do research in the intersection of computer vision, computer graphics, and machine learning. Uh, my research is, uh, builds on the premise that the world is 3D and dynamic. And my research is about perceiving the dynamic 3D world from images and video, which is very relevant to uh, this project. And so I'm really excited to see it in action. <laughs> Thanks, Andrew. Uh, I'm Ty Sheridan. I do not come from the field of AI and computer vision. I actually come from the field of, of uh, uh, film. So mostly as an actor, I got started as an actor very young and uh, uh, just been following curiosity along the way. I met, I met Nicola working on a, on a film, and we both had a, a passion for filmmaking and new technologies and how they might help us to tell better stories. And that's really what um, gave us the the courage to go and, and, and start the mission, start this company. Yeah, hi everyone. My name is Nikola Todorovic. I'm the co-founder and CEO of Wonder Dynamics. As Ty mentioned, I come from visual effects. I started kind of learning visual effects when I was 12 years old because I wanted to be in film um, and tell sci-fi stories. But um, visual effects was something you can do online and learn, um, you know, watch tutorials. So I spent many years working in the industry, in the film industry, and then Ty and I started Wonder Dynamics uh, 2016. Because um, we wanted to kind of, <clears throat> every time we wrote movies, we wrote bigger films than the budgets we could make with a lot of CGI. So when we discovered these technologies early on, about 2018, 2019, we, we really saw it as the future of cinema. And we wanted to learn how to do it so we can tell and make our movies that we couldn't uh, traditionally. And uh, as we were building the tools, we realized, OK, this is bigger than us and our films. Um, and then we decided completely to focus on, on building the software, which we're going to share a little bit more about uh, uh, today. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I guess that was four years ago when we first started stumbling into AI and some of the research in fields of robotics and autonomy uh, for self-driving vehicles. And, and there, we realized it was all uh, about scene understanding and, and image perception, which you know, film is, is just 24 frames per second, 24 images per second. And uh, we realized quickly that AI would be a big part of the film industry in the future. And I think we, as film lovers and cinephiles and you know, aspiring young filmmakers, we, we really wanted to, to be a part of that. Um, and so yeah, we, we, for the past three and a half years, uh, we've been building a platform that we just launched last week called Wonder Studio. And uh, thank you. And I, I guess we could, we could show you a quick demo um, that just came out last week. We'll show you a product demo so you have a better understanding. It's very visual. Um, so I guess we can go ahead and, and play that now and we'll talk a bit about it afterwards. They say all great stories start with a sense of wonder. 
And what if bringing those stories to life wasn't limited by our resources, but only by our imagination? Welcome to Wonder Studio, where making movies with CGI is as simple as selecting your actor and assigning a character. The system uses AI to track the actor's performance across cuts and automatically animates, lights, and composes the CG character directly into the scene. Whether it's one shot or a full sequence, Wonder Studio analyzes and captures everything from body motion, lighting, compositing, camera motion, and it even tracks the actor's facial performance. All the artist needs is a camera. Filmmaking is a medium of creativity and collaboration between artists. There's no AI that can replace that. Wonder Studio was built to empower those artists while still keeping the existing 3D process in mind. Alongside the rendered results, Wonder Studio gives you the ability to export the individual layers you need to deliver your final visual effects shot. Whether it's lighting, camera, or animation, you can maintain full control and make detailed adjustments in 3D space. From the paintbrush, to the typewriter, to the camera, tools have always been an extension of the artist, a means to help our voices be heard. With Wonder Studio, we hope the world hears yours. Thank you. Thanks so much. So to add to that a little bit, um, what inspired us to make this, um, the whole process in CG and visual effects is, is, you know, since the 90s, it's been changing, but not that drastically, and it's extremely, extremely expensive and time-consuming. And that's why we haven't seen a lot of indie movies with heavy CGI, because usually indie films stay away from it. Uh, you know, even, even green screen or rotoscoping, you really can't fit in the budget. Uh, um, you know, some films will really spend a year or two in post-production. That's why we have big studio films that are costing 200 million up. Um, so for us, we always wanted to make something to really allow people, um, you know, voices all around the world to tell stories that are a bit more grounded, uh, um, you know, but visually more interesting. Because we do think young people tend to watch, you know, something that's more visually exciting. Um, and yeah. sometimes indie films, unfortunately, seem too slow for, for a young, younger audience. Especially uh, in, a, in a post-COVID world. I think the things that are getting people out to the theaters, to cinemas today, are, are, are spectacle, you know? And I think spectacle really is only limited for a, a, a very limited few filmmakers. And so I guess, you know, both of us loving those movies growing up and wanting to make them ourselves one day, um, we just really, there wasn't a way to to do it, you know, it's hard to get that opportunity. And uh, I think that's, that's a, a, an aspiration that a lot of people like us share. And so, as you can see from the demo, you know, this was, um, we're both artists, so it, it's, a, it's a tool, it's made by artists, uh, for artists. And uh, I think that, you know, that's, that's something we're very proud of and that's at the very core Yeah, and I think, I think that, that, that thing that we mentioned in the demo is really important is the control. I think we've seen a lot of um, you know, stable diffusion. We've seen a lot of generative AI. We wouldn't put this in a generative AI category because we're not generating art here. We're taking image, right? So it's still up to an artist, cinematographer, 
to shoot. There's still movie magic behind it, which is extremely important for us. You need to know how to shoot it. You know, if you shoot it with an iPhone in a poorly lit room, it will pick up that information and your result will look bad. So if your CG character, which is still created by an artist, 3D artist, needs to look good and it's going to render better if you shoot it better. So this is something that's really, really important for us. Um, we want to accelerate the, the pipeline and then give you that ability in 3D speed. I think um, when we first started early on, we saw a lot of issues with kind of black boxes of, you know, first was deep fakes, and then we went, you know, in the nerves and then stable diffusion. And I think uh, what we realized is, you know, the process of filmmaking is so collaborative and, and, and it just, uh, there's so many little details, especially in visual effects. You have a lot of vendors, you have thousands of artists, and then director will want to change a little bit of a camera. They'll want to change a little bit of the light. So it's impossible to have that just generated in 2D space. I, I think we'll get there in 2D space, but I think right now, the way we make movies, we have to stay in 3D space, and then we have to plug it out uh, into the uh, existing workflow. So for us, like, you know, we've been building this in stealth mode for three and a half years. Uh, uh, super excited to be out with it, but as we were uh, uh, finishing it, we started one of our advisors, Joe Russo, uh, who's been uh, absolute tremendous support. Um, we've been working on a movie called Electric State, directed by Russo Brothers, and we really realized we onboarded a lot of artists that had nothing to do with our software to then jump and use it, and we really realized they really need these traditional elements. They need the camera, they need the animation files, they, they, they need the lighting info so they can tweak every single element to it. So it really does not disrupt their workflow that much. I think the black box is, is a dangerous thing sometimes to plug it in. And eventually we'll, it will get there. Um, but for us it was really, really important that you have that uh, uh, editability. Yeah, and, be, and beyond editability, there's accessibility with Wonder Studio. Wonder Studio, as anybody can access it through the, the web browser. Um, and then it runs in the cloud. So, that was really important to us because we wanted to stay true to our mission and empowering artists and enabling anybody who has a story that they want to tell to, to achieve these effects, at, at least to a, a certain level. And um, that's, that, yeah, that was, that, was, that was really, really uh, important for us to, to focus on. That's one of the reasons, uh, you know, we, when we first started, there was um, a really, really good mentor of mine. Um, I'm a huge believer in surrounding yourself with a lot of mentors. and, and um, uh, this mentor of mine, uh, uh, Bob Schwab, told me once, if you go in any new industry, uh, uh, really surround yourself, try to find the smartest people you can and ask the right que questions. And obviously, you know, from a filmmaking side, uh, people like Spielberg and Joe Russo, but then we approached, we called emailed uh, both Anjo and Antonio because um, Anjo has been leading a space in uh, movements and capturing human movements. And some of this academia, they've been doing this for decades, you know, and we just applied it to film and started building on top of that. And obviously, Angel and then Antonio as well. So we've been super fortunate to have their support. You know, the team really enjoys working with them. And uh, I think sometimes academia, especially now with research, uh, doesn't get the credit they deserve. Because I think everything we're seeing now in AI coming out is coming out from academia. One research paper or another that's been, you know, five or 10 years in the making. So maybe you guys can share a little bit more about how do you perceive your, you know, your uh, research that translates in different industries, especially in film. Yeah, so most of our work is really uh, fun, trying to set up the foundations of the field. So it's really about uh, building the knowledge that you know, enables people like you to build tools. Um, and I think that uh, there is a very strong connections between our fields, no, between how we build, how we, how we explore this area and, and, and different 
uh, areas of application like the film industry. I think that uh, in particular computer vision and computer graphics have been always very closely related with the film industry. Uh, and in fact, uh, it's something that is not just from the moment that film industry started. The, the connection between arts right. yeah. and, 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 and understanding intelligence and building uh, vision systems started even before computers started. Right. No? Uh, from the first uh, theories about perspective vision and so on, and how people are able to paint things that look very realistic. You know, understanding what is that you need to put onto a canvas so that it looks like a mirror or something that is shiny, and understanding all these principles. I mean, the first people studying perception and, and building you know, computer vision before computers were artists. And, and I think that with the film industry happens the same thing. And uh, many of the tools that exist nowadays, uh, a lot of the research that happens in computer vision and, and, and computer graphics is really motivated from the film industry. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's funny. We, we we always say that you know we're we're more of a story company than we are a, a technology company. But the film industry has always 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 relied on technology since the advent of a camera. You know, and and I think notoriously, I think Hollywood is is has been a bit standoffish to new technology. I think as a as a population as a whole as a society, I think sometimes we can be uh, um, a, a bit uh, apprehensive to when it comes to new technology. Um, but especially in the film industry, you know, it's always pushed us forward since cameras and, and CG in the 90s and digital cameras that, that liberated indie filmmakers. Um, so we really, you know, we're only using technology as it is a means to help us tell better stories and bigger stories. And uh, I, I, I think that it's, uh, yeah, how do you guys feel about um, how we adopt certain AI technologies in, in, in the world, beyond, even beyond the film industry. Um, but you know, how do we go about um, you know, some of the apprehension that, that, that people have? And where do you guys see us in, in, in the space currently? Yeah, um, I think that, um, of course, AI is impacting so many different industries besides the film industry. And, and like any new technology, it creates uh, uncertainties on, on how it's going to be deployed and, and the type of uh, changes that it will create in a particular, in a particular uh, field. And I think that uh, the thing to understand also is that AI is just a tool. It doesn't do anything by its own. Right, right. It needs people behind it. It, it needs uh, the purposes given by people. And uh, at the end, what happens is that all these tools, the only thing they do is they they create new mechanisms to create new content or to solve certain problems or problems that before couldn't be solved and now you can address them. But at the end, like in, you know, in the particular case of uh, applied to the, to the, to the arts, uh, film industry, but any other area within the arts is that um, being an artist is always about bringing sophistication to the tools that you use. And you know, when, when cameras started or, or the paintbrush, like I can paint really badly. <laughs> like if I paint someone, a person riding a horse, you won't, you won't be able to tell what the horse is and what the person <laughs> is. Uh, and new tools haven't made that easier for me. Like I'm still very bad at that. <laughs> so I think that uh, when you have an artistic sense, it makes you able to use these tools in ways that uh, regular people like myself cannot, cannot use those tools and create content that is like appealing. I think that's one of the reasons that we also, uh, uh, we saw a huge uh, thing with AI is that it's making something really complex simpler. You know, I come from a background of compositing 
And when I started going in 3D, you open these 3D softwares and they're very overwhelming at first. And then the learning curve is really hard. So there's a lot of artists that you know, are directors or storytellers or writers and they're you know, one person show and then they try to learn, that's what I did, try to learn every single aspect from writing, pre-production, post-production. And then you realize, oh man, I really need to spend five years to be able to master to do this, what I want. Because this tool is amazing but it's a very, very career-driven tool, meaning it's, you know, it's even, even in visual effects, if you switch from one software to another, it's really hard. It's, it's, it, it gets very, very challenging. So I think that's the beauty of AI. You just, you just simplify the tool, and then you can get, come quicker to that creative pieces. Because that's what really comes down to, like, you're, for us at least, we want to get rid of those manual kind of labor steps that are, that are very technical. That Time don't, intensive. Yeah, that don't have, like, creative input on it. And I think, unfortunately, with visual effects, the field has had an issue for many years, you know, since Life of Pi days. You know, I don't know if you guys remember when Life of Pi won, that company went bankrupt, right? So the visual effects, there's even, I read recently a story how there was another movie that the company went bankrupt and they didn't get paid, all the VFX artists. So they went to a big publication to try to get that published and basically the publication sent, told them, ah, that's not a news that the VFX company went under, right? Yeah, and, and, and just so everyone is aware, I mean, I'm sure, Say. <laughs> I, I was gonna. I, I was about to. I was before we move on to this VFX thing. I want to pick up on what Antonio was saying about how technology is always around and it's just getting better and better. Um, because one of the first films was made by Edward Muybridge, actually in Berkeley. I think they wanted to see if the the horse when it runs does it actually have four legs above the floor or not? And people didn't know this, and now that you actually made film, you could tell that, oh, the horse is actually flying in the middle. Right. And so this kind of technology, I think one of it is um, motion capture was also one of the earlier uh, technology that was also used in uh, film a lot. But it was one of those technologies that's like really hard to use, and you have mm. to put a lot of markers on your face, yeah, sure. um, and you have to put people in a studio. And in my work, it's really about allowing you to do that from everyday videos and images. Uh, and so we've been working on this for a while, actually. This is a very long study topic in computer vision. But the first time we made it really fully automatic because of deep learning was 2016 was the conference. And in 2018, we released this tool called Human Mesh Recovery, which really does it very quickly from an image. And that's around the time we started talking to each other. Right. And that's really integral in the, all the kind of things that we saw. And um, hopefully it accelerates all of these process of not having yeah. to put people into motion capture yeah. studio. That, 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 yeah, that brings us back when we reached out to Anjo. Um, mm -hmm. You know, you, you, some of your students, when we talked to them, they didn't, you know, they knew they were building for human yeah. behavior. And maybe you can share a little bit more about yeah, that. Yeah, actually, until that time, we were having a lot of, a lot of more perspective of we want to understand people so that we can understand what they're doing in videos. Um, and understand scene uh, images. And uh, we didn't necessarily, we weren't necessarily thinking about, we did have the motivation in mind of always replacing mocap. I would use the Lord of the Rings kind of images in my talks. But we weren't really sure that it's gonna get this immediate impact and picked up. And right. so when I first showed them like the demo where you could replace people and actors, um, from video, we actually had a really good demo from a very long time ago, so I'm really excited that it's finally out. <laughs> I know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's, been, it's been challenging. We've been seeing these tools come out, and we're like holding back. We're like, all right, we, we didn't want to plug out with just one piece of it, right? 
So Andrew has actually been showing our stuff to students for what, over yeah, a year now. more than that. Uh, I more, think more it's like that. they're film people, which is great. The VFX people are really particular about the way it looks. That's <laughs> true. Oh, sure. <laughs> it has yeah. to look really perfect. <laughs> Sometimes we're too perfectionist. Um, and people ask us about our demo. They're like, oh, this is fake. And um, you know, the, the beauty of it is we tweaked about four or five shots in that demo, and the tweaks were clean plates sometimes because the hair would get out, so the segmentation would get it. So we tweak, or like lighting or the pose a little bit would be off. But these are like tweaks, you know, that take that takes you a minute or maybe an hour. But that's the beauty of it, right? You wanna enable people to fix, because AI will not get it perfect. There's no way we're gonna replace that process. But yeah, that's definitely uh, uh, something that, you know, Andrew, how you how you've been seeing, you know, kind of human motion progress in the past like six months with all the craziness? Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm really impressed by the progress that we're making uh, recently. Really, the ra progress is rapid. But um, in this aspect of motion analysis, we have been building small tools that really add up, and um, there's been really a lot of um, new updates. Um, now we can identify people through a video for a very long time. Like if you want to analyze or replace people in videos or understand what they're doing, it's very important to first understand like which person, is that the same person across the entire time? And then in normal videos that people consume, people are always occluded by other people. And this right. is a very challenging problem of tracking. And uh, it's been long studied in computer vision, and we made a really big, big progress because now we can actually do track people much better in 3D. Because in 2D, people overlap; it's very difficult to um, identify who is who. But in 3D, you know that they're different places, right. and so you can actually distinguish them really well. And so tracking is really good. And we recently released this tool that builds on this that can actually reconstruct people in 3D and actually capture their so, uh, spatial relationships. And this is actually really important in understanding you know, how people interact with each other because clearly we're like, sitting nearby each other, facing each other, and capturing that kind of subtle spatial motion is you know, something you think is obvious, but it's really hard. And, it's, um, very, it's very hard. We've been working on, uh, you know, for us it was important to do that because we wanted to, because VFX is known for like, doing shot by shot, frame by frame. So for us, like, with the tool, just to connect to what I was say, saying earlier, we did have elements. We have over 25 ML models running in the background, plus rendering. Um, so we're slowly onboarding people, because obviously the cloud uh, cost. Um, but for us, it was really important not to be like one plugin or one tool. We wanted to provide that end-to-end -end solution for more amateur users. And then for professionals, they obviously are not going to be happy always with end-to-end -end solution they can pull out. But to, to add to what you're saying, Anjo, uh, um, you know, we wanted to allow it for a sequence. So you can upload your entire sequence and mark your actor, and it will look for that actor throughout the cuts. So it can really save you so much time. Right. You can run a full scene and be like, all right, I have 10 shots. Let's say eight, I'm okay with like 80% of it. Two failed, all right, I'm gonna go traditional with these two, and I'm gonna continue. Yeah, versus, versus going frame by frame by frame and shot by shot, we're now able to upload entire sequences, track actors throughout the sequence, and then retarget those performances to, to CG characters. Uh, and the lighting, obviously, is a really, really big one. It's one, one of our most robust. Yeah, uh, uh, we, we, there's, we have a, a 25 plus ML models running in the, in the background on our, on our um, process, so it's, it's, it's very heavy um, computationally. But yeah, as we, as we mentioned earlier, you know, it, it's, it's designed to emulate every aspect of the artist from, from, the, from the gaffer who's doing the light to the cinematographer to the actor, his, his motion or her motion, their facial performance. You know, 
that's, um, so it's, that's why we say we're not really a generative AI tool because we're really using, taking what the artist is, is applying and we're allowing them to, to, to do their job in a more easier process, automatic process. Um, and then I, was, I wanted to ask you guys, both of you guys, how do you feel about um, research where, where it is currently, where, where you started, and then seeing more um, real-world use cases from, from your research, and, and where, do you th where do you think we, we go in the future uh, from, from there? Yeah, I want to ask this question to Antonio because Antonio <laughs> is such a superstar <laughs> and inspired a lot of my work in the beginning. is a really, really inspiring figure. So. Wait, maybe, maybe I could just say, Antonio, how many uh, uh, publications do you have out? Because this is when we first, I know he's too, he's too com humble, but I think I'm going to guess the number, but it's over 70,000. No, right. no, 17,000? 17? Or citations? Or, yes. Or, or yes. No, the citations don't necessarily <laughs> count. I okay, think all right. impact For me, that's, uh, yeah, impact is huge, It's hard to evaluate. Yeah, that's obviously, our, our, our team is super, super impressed by that. Sorry to interrupt. But I will return the question to you at some point. <laughs> no, but I guess I'm really curious. Like, um, are you surprised at the pace that where we are now? And do you think we're early, or do you think we're actually late? Uh, yeah, yeah. So I, I think that we are both late and early. When I just started working on this field, nothing worked. Like it was uh -huh. just embarrassing to explain to my parents what I was doing because, <laughs> you know, seeing for us, it seems so easy that you know, being, not being able to build a machine that can actually see like we do, yeah. it just seems like well, we are silly or what, <laughs> no? Um, so it was hard to explain to, to my parents why, why the problem was interesting and it was hard to, to do. And, but the field has been evolving really quickly and, and, and there are a number of things that now are really impressive. Like I don't think uh, any of us thought really that the field will be where, where it is now in many of the questions. And then there are other questions, there are other areas of the field that, uh, that are very important that we are still behind. Um, for instance, some of the work that you do on, on, on 3D vision and so on, this is a, how the field of computer vision started, uh, trying to interpret the world, the 3D world. And right now we are just mostly about you know, focusing on 2D images. No? All these models that are out there are about 2D images and interpreting and understanding the 3D world is still challenging. Yeah, and, and it's just, uh, you know, it's still something that we are kind of behind. No? <laughs> and given what, the fact that we started there. And what do you think we need to accomplish in, in the 3D world in terms of research before we can move to a world where it's strictly 2D to 2D? Well, I think that Anju is, is the, the person working in, the, in this type of, uh, in, this, in this area and really making a lot of progress. So what, what do you think is Well, missing? I will push for 3D to 3D always instead of 2D to 2D because once you get the recover the underlying 3D state of the world, you can edit it. Like in the demo, right. you could see you don't really like that angle. Maybe that was the actual angle of the actor, but it's true in like animation, like Disney would just exaggerate the motion to tell a story. And so it doesn't necessarily, so you really want this ability to control the uh, recovered elements. And if you don't have it in 3D, I think lighting and all of these things will be difficult. I mean, maybe, you know, GANs and all these diffusion models will replace that. I still think, you know, there is some role about having explicit understanding of the world. It's, yeah. yeah, I, I agree 100%. I think, Andre, you said that we live in a 3D one of the first time we spoke, you said, we live in a 3D world, so we have to build it in 3D world. And we had this, like, you know, uh, um, kind of questions inside of a company as well, like how much, how much, you know, when this craziness with stable diffusion started, we're like, how much the 2D can really keep up with it? But then we, we realized filmmaking is a medium in 3D 
it yeah. was really hard. Obviously, you have to do the animation, but, but for us, uh, you know, when it comes to CGI, especially with live action, you, you really have to stay with it. There's just, there's just too many shots you want to find also in post-production. Yeah, it's exactly. It's impossible and I, to figure that out. Yeah, and a lot of the 2D, 2D to 2D approaches, and um, especially with generative AI, it's, we're, we're very limited in, in editability. I know we touched on that a bit, but you know, I think f for us, it's so, so important to um, stay in the 3D space, yeah. give artists the ability to keep making. There's a, there's a question we have from yeah. There's two, Tadi. There's two interesting yeah. ones here. Yeah. I here, see. I'll read this one from Tadi Prim. How would you all describe y'all's ethical framework for implementing AI into creators' work, workflows? I think for us that was really important. Obviously, with people we got involved with the company, but for us as artists, um, as we mentioned, uh, we're not generating uh, art, but we're also not training on other people's art. I think that's a it's a hot subject for a reason. I, you know, for me personally, I don't think it's fair that we're taking these databases and then training on other people's art and then you can generate it based on that person's art. So you couldn't do that in music industry, really. Mm -hmm. You couldn't sample other people's work and then say, this is mine. So I don't think it should be allowed. I understand why we're so excited how fast this is moving. So we like want to kind of jump over that, but I don't think there's a way to generate that same thing, synthetic data. So we don't have to, you know, okay, if we're delayed a little bit, that's okay, but don't use other people's work. Yeah, and then there's, there's another question. Um, as an actor, how, I guess that's for me, how can we move forward <laughs> in confidence knowing AI voices and more will not replace us? I, I think that you know, one thing that we, we wanted to speak about today on, on the panel were, were these, 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 this ethical framework, right? Um, you know, fear uh, versus opportunity. You know, as, as I mentioned earlier, I think people can, especially in, in Hollywood, I think they can be standoffish to new technology. I think as a, as a whole society, um, we can tend to, to be a bit more defensive. Um, and we, we talk a lot about job displacement, you know, oh, how many people are gonna lose their, their jobs? It was the same conversation when, with the advent of the internet. Um, I think there wasn't, even then probably, there wasn't enough emphasis on how many more jobs will be created. For instance, for, for okay, I've worked on a lot of these big movies, um, like some X-Men films and a, a movie called Ready Player One. And, and these films, you know, I don't know the exact budget, but. The, 200 million plus, you know, it's very, it's a, so much money to spend on a movie. And I, I, I think that, you know, if, if, if we don't, if we can make those films and we can only spend, we only have to spend 25 or 50, you know, maybe we can make six more of those films. How many more jobs are gonna be created from that? You're multiplying one movie to, to six. You still need the collaboration of a film crew working together to, to, to make these films. And, and also for us, you know, what excites us about our tools and the whole reason we wanted to open this up to the world was to give kids like us the ability to go and make the movies that we were dreaming of making when, when we were kids. We just didn't have, we didn't have the 3D knowledge, we didn't have the resources, um, and we just didn't have the access. And so what's really exciting is, you know, this conversation about how many more voices are gonna be heard around the world, you know? It's really, Hollywood is a very difficult industry to, to break into. And uh, I think that, you know, breaking those barriers is really, really exciting on a global level in terms of understanding each other and, uh, uh, and having more peace in the world and telling better stories. You know, more voices, I, I, I think, means better, better stories. And so that's really what we're hoping to achieve with this. And, and uh, again, you know, we're, we're not in the business of, of replacing actors. I would never do that, you know. I am an actor. Um, 
and so I think we're really so focused on taking an actor's performance and, and allowing them to drive those characters. Like, I, you know, this, this film that I, I did uh, in 2016 that Steven Spielberg directed, we shot six weeks in motion capture. It was one of the most uh, liberating experiences ever. I felt like I was going back to my, like, uh, my inner child, you know, and like it was, because you had nothing to rely on but your complete uh. imagination. And, uh, and, and that was so fun, and it was fun to, to you know, drive a, a, a CG character, someone that wasn't you. Um, so I think that's okay, you know, I don't, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not, of course, like, if we're, if we're taking act, actors, you know, like, I'm, I'm sure we've all seen the, the deep fakes of Tom Cruise, and, you know, some, I think these, th these are the areas we need to be a little bit more concerned about, skeptical about, how we're taking other artists' work, training models, um, I, as, as Nicholas said, you know, we, we don't necessarily believe that that's very ethical. And so that's, that's really, um, you know, I think it's really important for us to be having these conversations, be talking about these things, talking about how we can op open up the door to these conversations, not be so uh, fearful of them. You know, it's, it's, AI is here. We should be talking about it. We should be talking about how, how we're going to integrate it into society, into the infrastructure of, of our world. Maybe you guys can have some specific comments or thoughts on that. Yeah, I think there was a question that was actually a little bit related to this, which was about uh, when will the first uh, fully generated AI movie uh, appear? And I think the question really should be rephrased in, will it be good? Will it be good, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, was, I was thinking the same thing. Yeah, you know, it's, I Did mean, you see that it, Seinfeld episode that got generated on, uh, I think it was yes. a charge of yeah, yeah, script, yeah. and then he went crazy, and then they had to shut it down because <laughs> Jerry Seinfeld wasn't acting like Jerry Seinfeld. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it, yeah it, essentially it all comes down to how good is the, is the story, and it, especially with, with our tool, how, how good is the artist? How good are the artists collectively? Well, that I think that's the that's that's difference in question, AI generated versus created by tools that just speed up your production. This is sure. a different yeah. thing. I think AI generated, you know, I don't know. Uh, well, am I crazy about watching completely AI generated film? Not really. I don't think if you take that human out of it, for me, that's not that exciting. You lose the soul. Yeah, you know? so I, I don't know. But that's me. A lot of people are okay with that. I, for us personally, as a company, we don't want to move in that direction. Uh, um, you know, so for us, we're more excited about speeding up the process so the artist has more time. I think what's going to happen in, in Hollywood is just like traditionally what always happened. Um, you know, people always like, oh, this is going to replace Hollywood or something. No, it's really not. I think usually what Hollywood does, they just, they'll usually have to control themselves. They'll be like, okay, I want to make these shots, but I can't because of the budget. So uh, now instead of 200 hard VFX shots, I'm going to do 150 or 100, and I'm going to take these medium shots or easy shots. But I think now, just like with virtual production, we allowed a lot more hard VFX shots to be put in a production. I think, and then you can make bigger, bigger spectacles. So I think that's what exactly is going to happen. You know, the budgets will remain about the same. It's just we're going to see way more spectacle. And there is a need for content. VFX industry is way overworked. These artists working crazy hours. So I think there is a need for it. And it's, you know, it's been, it's been coming. And uh, um, you know, I think the industry adapts. Uh, uh, really, yeah. really well. I think it would be really cool if there are more creators using these VFX tools that are a lot easier, mm -hmm. telling more compelling stories, and therefore maybe gaining a lot more, you know, space, a bigger voice in that yeah. area, so that you know, yeah. that, that that. I mean, that's what's yeah, that's what's exciting for us. We build it for you know, 
people like that, people like ourselves. Uh, you know, f for me personally, uh, you know, I come, I was born in Bosnia, I lived in Serbia, I moved here when I was 20. It took me many years to even, you know, break in uh, Hollywood, get a job in visual effects, and then after that. So a lot of artists don't have a little bit of that, uh, um, you know, fortune to find themselves. You have to be in a certain location. I think now it's changing, you know, with Netflix doing, uh, uh, you know, local but global. Uh, it's changing. There's been stories made all around the world that are really, really high, high level. So I think the demand for content is, is, is greater than ever. So uh, for us, it's just that's, that's what's excites us. This is, you know, I think if you have a company, a startup especially, you're going to have a lot of sleepless nights. Like last night, we didn't sleep because we had certain <laughs> deadlines. So that's why my energy is so low. But um, I think uh, for us, you have to have something that drives you that's a bit bigger and greater than, than yourself. You know, that's why we've been doing this for you know, so long is that we really do believe that we're going to, you know, help with AI, not just our tool, but AI in general will we'll help some kids somewhere in the world make yeah. some amazing Absolutely. thing. Yeah. And that's really relevant to the question asked by Damien about, you know, how every, uh, be accessible to film and countries with yeah. resources. I, that's really... Yeah, I think, you know, since we're talking about the film and, and TV industry, I, I think that, you know, Hollywood does really pride themselves on, on inclusivity and, and telling um, global stories and, and really understanding people and shining a light on people that are uh, underrepresented. And, and I, I think that AI can, can, be, can act as a huge bridge and, and, and filling that void and, and helping us understand more voices around the world, not, not just locally what people think are, you know, st stories of misrepresentation or mis misunderstanding in just in Hollywood you know I think right now it's it, it really is very limited you know um, again because it's so hard to break into this industry you know now if you you have you know kids anywhere in the world with filmmaking they have everyone has a you know most people have access to a camera a digital camera you know that is a filmmaking tool so in, ter in terms of accessing Filmmaking, it's, it's mm -hmm. very accessible. They just, you know, people just don't really have the tools and resources to tell a lot, you know, high quality stories. And I think that's, that's really what, what, where we hope to, to continue building our company and try to provide tools to, to those artists. I think there's an interesting question here the, uh, from Benoit. What about the opportunity for AI to feel a new language for dynamic movies as an intermediate art form with gaming? It's quite relevant, actually. Mm. Are you not thinking about this? Yeah, but oh, we sure. have yeah we use cases outside of film for us. Obviously, yeah. like uh, gaming, especially with, with AI motion capture, uh, it's a big one. And we're working with some exciting companies uh, on some applications, vlogging. Uh, you know, there's a lot of use cases that you can do for it. Uh, I think, as you mentioned, Antonio, CG really spans in so many different industries, and it's not just uh, it's not just uh, attached to to. Uh, we've been seeing so many of these like um, incredible, incredible like YouTubers that come up with some short films, whether it's game cinematics or something that look, look amazing. Yeah. You, you would never guess a budget. You would never say it's one person <laughs> sitting and using Unreal or, or, or something and building that story. So for us, that's exciting. That, those are creators we want to support. Absolutely. Yeah, and I think get, get, getting our tools in the hands of, of, of students, young minds that are hungry, hungry to tell stories, you know, indie, indie minds is, is, is really and important for us. You know, we're... As Nicholas said, you know, we're, we're hoping to, to grant more and more and more access as, as uh, we start to yeah. grow and, and continue with the, our, our web platform. 
Um, yeah. that's really I, got, I got a question for Andrew and Antonio. What do you guys see as like the biggest challenge right now in academia when it comes to this, this like, you know, the speed of research happening right now? Is there like a sacrifice? Is there a little bit of arms race going on now? What are, what are some of the challenges you're seeing? Well, I think that the arms race has always been there. Uh, it's always now it's just mainstream. Now everybody's writing about it, it's, right? It's, <laughs> it's, it hasn't changed. You're, you're always thinking of a new idea, and uh, you know you are about to publish it, and then you realize that someone just solved that problem and published before you did. You know, I'm sure that maybe it hasn't happened to you so many times. No, no, times, it has right? happened a couple of times. You have to change the name of our method because somebody wrote the paper with the same method. <laughs> That's right, that's right. So, so I think that the, the, now things are even moving faster because the field also has attracted a lot of people, a lot, a lot of talented people, and people are doing really spectacular things, and it's just even, even harder not to be creative yeah. and original. Yeah. And, and yeah, what do you think about the fact that, um, how, do you, how are you dealing with the compute issue? Oh, like you. Well, for me, actually, the 3D is a really nice aspect because we actually go and capture our own, and we've kind of moved on to, instead of big data, uh, focus on learning from small amount of data and capture and then try to reconstruct. And so we can still kind of do things in the academic yeah. area. Yes, that's right. So in fact, in my case, I'm moving into training with no data whatsoever. Oh, very nice. <laughs> it's really, really you're, you're just, you're just nice. trusting it. You're like, oh, they, they know. Yes. <laughs> so we are not like the big companies that have access to uh, a lot of compute. We, we don't really have that amount of compute to, to, to do the research that we do. So we need to come up with creative ideas and ways yes. of working. Yeah. Actually, this is why I think academia is better than industry. Well, like if you had to pick, or like I, I think I recommend people going through academia because constraints are good and they will make you creative instead of you know just running a big thing. You know, you have constraints in filmmaking. Yeah, you know? yeah it does. You ever heard of a budget? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So I, yeah, go ahead. No, I. I I, I just had a question, but I don't know if you were going to follow up on, on that. Otherwise, no, 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 go ahead. Okay, so I just, you know, it's a question that's not here, but it's uh, something I'm curious about, is that, you know, one of the challenges with new technologies is that people are afraid because it alienates the people that don't know how to use it, and, you know, you, 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 have, um, you have actually used AI to build, mm. to build something really cool, and, and what I'm curious is how, you know, how did you make that transition? How did you decide to go into this and, and, and you know, I think, yeah, I think for us that was when we first started. Uh, uh, well, first of all, we you know, have to give a shout out to our team. We have yeah. 55 plus and a lot of our team members when we first started, we were trying to find people with machine learning knowledge and computer graphics and visual effects knowledge. Really difficult, very, 2018, very difficult. 2019. And we have you know, some really, really, really talented people in, 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 in our company that we've been so fortunate and they really are the one doing the heavy lifting, you know, uh, uh, with, with this. So I think the transition happened when we started building it, and then we realized, oh, man, because we started building kind of selfishly for ourselves, right? Because I, I was like, I, I really am so frustrated how slow CG process mm -hmm. is, right? So frustrated how difficult it is to have a mocap and to light and to shoot clean plates yeah, it wasn't, and all, all, all of that. So The idea wasn't to, to put it all together and to build this platform that would be in your web browser. I mean, that did, that came. Yeah, we built later. it locally first, then we used it, and then we decided, all right, let's let's go out full, and then we decided to build that kind of intuitive end-to-end -end solution. So we were really, as we were building it, we were really focused on let's keep it really, really simple for certain users, and then let's give 
access to professionals more. So one of the questions here is, you know, kind of how do we provide these tools when this is uh, accessible to small studios, independent mm -hmm. creators? You know, right now we're in closed beta. As we're letting people in, it's free. As we're going to go after open beta, we're going to have tiers. We're going to keep it free, and then we're going to have tier to go up, uh, you know, depending on the uh, number of minutes of your footage that you export or if you're going 4K, which is really important for us. We have to enable ProRes and 4K because if you're going to go on professional level. So, but that's all because we're still speeding up our models, and it still takes, this is not an Instagram filter. This takes a lot, a lot of computational power. But we've been really fortunate working with NVIDIA and Amazon, AWS. They've been helping us. You know how to speed up the process in the cloud, how to get it optimized. So we're we're doing that right now, and you know really the goal is to 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 have those tiers. So if you want to use it, you know quickly, and you know you're not going in a crazy 4K footage, you you don't have to pay for it. But if you're going more serious, then you can go in those tiers. Yeah, building on uh, Antonio's question, I'm really impressed because um, around the time when you started, I mean things were starting to work, and there was this sense of like, oh, maybe this will start to work really well. But especially when it comes to human mesh recovery, it wasn't really exact, precise yet. And um, I'm impressed that you picked it up. But also, I'm curious. Once you started working with these academic models and trained um, problems, like, did you see any open problems or any new challenges that we oh. didn't really necessarily address? So, so many. <laughs> um, I, I think I think that's that's the hard part because we, you know, in our company, we encourage everybody to research. Junior doesn't matter. Senior. We have a channel, research and brainstorm. Everybody's just throwing stuff, and then you can just try it if you want to take a day to try something. Um, uh, you know, I think it was really important. Um, one of your colleagues actually told us this in one called Sanya Fiddler. We spoke to her once. She's in NVIDIA. And she said, it's really important that you stay laser focused because there's so many things that you want to try because there's so many like exciting problems that you want to solve. So, you know, again, back to our team, uh, they really kind of saw it, you know, this is a starting point. Let's build on top of it. So as we have foundation that we built early 2018, 2019, we kept building this optimization and adding different pieces. And some pieces are traditional CG, some pieces are traditional VFX, and then heavy on machine learning. So I think what I learned in the process um, from working you know, with engineers, uh, machine learning engineers uh, in our team, is how creative these people are. Because yeah. you sometimes think, you know, okay, artists, visual effects, this is creative, and then you have engineers, they're coding. No, no, there's so much creativity on this side that goes that I think when you're not, you know, from that space completely, you, you don't understand. So I think that's really, it, it came down to creativity of, you know, what can we build on top of it? And, and obviously, a lot of this, we build elements like lighting and face and those, we, you know, a lot of them build IP from scratch because we had to, because there was no solutions on the market or anything that had kind of a base to start from. But Anja's always funny. Whenever we would show her something, we would have these monthly calls with her with the team, and we show something, and uh, uh, you know, Anja's like, "That looks good," and you know, a visual effects artist to me is like, ah, "That's not good," because meaning like visually, I was like not happy hearted. She's like, "No, no, you don't understand, Nicole. This problem is really hard. This is good what you guys did to here," and I was like, "It's not good." So I think I, you know, I had to fight uh, a lot on like trying to find that balance of like, "All right, you can't wait for it to be perfect," because. Right. These are problems that people tried to solve for 20 years, right? Yeah. Like human motion, right? You can't, yeah. you just like, that's not a problem you're going to ever solve to get it completely, completely mm -hmm. precise. So mm -hmm. I think, that, again, that's, 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 that's why you need that editability. You know, you need to, to yeah. give it back to the artist because it, it, it just, it's really hard to capture reality to a, a pristine precision. And uh, yeah, but going, going back to our team, yeah, it's it, all hats off to them. I mean, they are 
incredible, incredible people, and they've inspired us in so many ways. Actually, all the stuff you saw in our, our product demo, um, that's mostly based on two shoots that we did, one in, in Texas and then one in, 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 uh, in Novi Sad, Serbia, where most of our engineering team is based. And, uh, That's where we, I'm from originally, so. Uh, and we, we actually got the entire team out. Uh, it was almost like a, a, like a film school. Fil yeah, film school. Like for two days, we did a two-day shoot, and we had all of our ML engineers, like, you know, track. We have a PhD yeah, people. Like curing lenses yeah. and holding have, the slate. And Vuko, one of our guys who is a PhD, the guy's so smart, <laughs> and he's holding a slate and standing in the frame. We're like, Vuko, get in frame. He was like slate. <laughs> so, you know, it's super, super humble. But there, humble was a, there was a moment where we were getting ready to do that shoot, and uh, the camera broke. We had an issue with our uh, reformatting our, our codecs. And, uh, and you know, the, the camera guys who have, you know, have, have been working with cameras for a decade or more you know, had no idea how to solve the issue. And you know, a few of our engineers you know, spent an hour working on it and were able to come up with a solution. So they're just amazing. It's an amazing group of problem solvers. It's an amazing group of dreamers. And, and uh, you know, sometimes I think you know, their vision is, is uh, what in, is mostly what in, inspires the company and what we're building towards. I don't know if they want us to uh, have questions in the audience, right? Because I know we yeah, uh, we've, yeah, we've got some yeah. more on the screen. Do but they they have maybe we should, we've got 10 more minutes. No, I mean, like any... the, the, the audience here. Yeah, no, did yeah. anyone want to ask a question from, yeah, from the audience? If there are any questions or if they're doing that. While we wait for that, maybe we can ask this one. How is AI also being pushed to... How is AI also being used to push the boundaries of the art form outside just providing greater access mm. to CGI and special effects? I'm curious what Antonio would think about I'm, this. I'm not the artist. <laughs> <laughs> You're very creative. <laughs> they are the artists. Um, yeah, no, I think this is, a, this is really a question for you to answer. I think that, the, the, I think that um, it's, it's a really important question. Every single tool that appears always makes art to be different, mm. you know, like photography made mm. painting to change. Yeah. So how do you think this technology will change yeah. the film industry? Yeah, well, I mean, we've seen it decade after decade, and we've been lucky enough to work with some of the filmmakers who have been on the top of the industry for the past four or five decades. Uh, and, and, and they've always used technology to, to stay on top. You know, I think every, every decade kind of brings us a, a gift to, to allow us to do something we hadn't been able to do before. So I think that continually happen um, and I think that AI will will be a big part of that you know I mean when you're when you're shooting a film you obviously have limitations I mean there are things that you cannot do with a camera so um, kind of maybe circling back to some of the research you do and some of your interest I think that the 3d space understanding you know scene understanding and understanding the 3d space could allow us to do a lot more things in terms of how we move the camera and what's what kind of sets are possible to achieve for a, a certain budget yeah, I think also uh, it can be used for different things like post-vis or previous. So post-visualization or pre-visualization is when you make a movie before you get it completed to final visual effects because it's really expensive, final visual effects. So this way an editor and a director can find shots, right, and can lock in a cut before they go. This is something, you know, one of the reasons that Pixar was so successful is they, uh, they did that approach, right? They would make a 2D version, kind of 2D or a rough 3D version. They would, you know... It's almost like beta testing. They would have a movie, completely movie. They would watch it. They would be like, all right, this is not working, this is not working. And they would you know, release the movie. Marvel did that after that because you know, they would do the same. They would do mm -hmm. previews for everything because it's so technical if you're shooting these big Marvel films. You cannot just show up on set mm -hmm. and I'm going to wing it. No, you have like you know, mm -hmm. 20 characters flying, literally flying in. You're on the green screen. You don't see much. So you have to 
you have to know every single millimeter of your yeah. framing of your shot. You know, inevitably, there's always some big battle scene at the end of yeah, these. Yeah, yeah. But movies. I think I think the the, the the point of what I'm trying to make with AI is that now we can do that quicker. Mm -hmm. So we can actually experiment and find shots and actually make better films. And put more money on the screen Yeah, we'll, as have, well. we'll have more time. That's yeah. the thing. The time is a big issue yeah. in film. So, I, I, so in my lab, we also do um, motion capture, but we also focus on capturing the uh, environment. And uh, maybe you've heard of neural radiance fields or NERFs. We just released an open source uh, project called NERF Studio. And this will also allow you to just go around the room and then like take a shot from any view you want. And that would be like a perfect application. Exactly, exactly. No, 100%. And I think also from a you know, flip side of that is you have individual storytellers that want to uh, pitch a movie. Right? Let's say they want to pitch a sci-fi movie. They can use AI you know, to have that made cheaper, if it's three, five minutes, and then get to the studio execs quicker. Because it's really hard to pitch a project just on paper. I mean, that's what people are doing. But if you're first-time filmmakers and you go to a studio, you say, like, oh, I have a sci-fi idea. It's going to cost $200 million. They're like, what, what have you done before? What did you direct? Ah, uh, nothing really. But if you can direct, something like this, you know, put CG characters or environments, and you show up to them and you say, look, I just made this for nothing, and it's three minutes long, and you know, the execs are so busy there, they got so many things they have to read. And if they can just watch it in three minutes, most likely they'll give you a call back. So I think, you know, AI being used as a concept tool and pitching tool and previews and post will really speed up the whole process. I think it's really helpful um, the way yeah. We have uh, who's teaching this new technology. Will it be a subscription, and what is the cost? Who's teaching? Andrew. Who is teaching? Andrew going to be teaching. No, you guys mean. Yeah. No, I think <laughs> I think we yeah. just you know we just we did just <laughs> launch our our platform, but I, I think Andrew, we got six minutes. Can you do a tutorial? <laughs> <laughs> no, we, we we plan to do a lot of tutorial videos, but um, you know again we we really want to put this in the hands of of young artists, you know so. Um, Especially, you know, where we're based in in Novi Sad, I think we, we we have a lot of ambitions to to do more programs, with getting people involved with. with so interrupt. Yeah. It's a good question. Uh, two two people asked: Will actors who you know survive doing motion capture work have to find other jobs? No, you are not. You're still moving. You just don't have to wear a suit. So you're still being filmed. There's there's so much art. In to, fact, they're gonna get more jobs. They're gonna get more jobs yeah. because you don't. Because right it's now, because not motion, everybody. Can yeah, because motion, motion capture, capture is so expensive, and you may be only doing. And there is, there is like so much art to it. We, well, you know, we, we were, our demo was really skeleton crew. On the first, like some shots in Texas, there was three, three of us uh, uh, plus Ty and I. So it was really, really skeleton crew. And you could see per actor if it's a professional motion capture actor. Like the way they move, they yeah. really play the role. If it's a, well, like, we, be we, a robot, be an alien, they know how to move. And we actually, yeah, yeah. we actually, for, for our, our demo, we actually uh, hired or casted an actor that had a lot of motion capture experience prior, and he was also a black belt and a you know, ballroom dancer, and he was a you know perf a performance artist and uh, really specialized in movement with his body. So I think a lot of the motion capture actors that I've worked with, you know, are they they are very specific in this in this domain. I think that yeah, those jobs will only continue to yeah, to I, increase. I really strongly believe in this. There's a lot of tools where you can write text and then generate images. You can imagine them take the, write a text and generate motion, but it really needs to come from human motion. That the that the subtlety and like the long tail yeah. nature is really challenging to just generate, and um, that's also where humans are really good at. Mm -hmm. And so I think yeah. Yeah, I think it's that's the thing with. Uh, 
the, yeah. sorry, Tyler, no, I think that's ahead. the thing with text to video. Yeah. Well. Like, yes, text to video is coming. It's not gonna be perfect. It's great, we'll, you'll release stuff for social media. People, you know, don't mind that much of irregularities if he has five fingers or four, people don't care. <laughs> but I think uh, as far as like, same with motion, when you're typing something, it's so hard to describe what exactly yeah. you want. I mean, that's why we work with other artists. That's why you're like, sometimes spending a week communicating and then doing, and then doing a version two, version 10, version 20, because you're trying to find what is exactly that you envision, because you can't really communicate it in like two cents, there's no way. So I, I think there's, you know, a human element there is, is, is really, really needed. Yeah, and going, going back to what, what you touched on and how important that performance is, that motion, taking an, an actual performer's motion, and in a lot of ways it's so much easier than doing it manually. You know, I think there's a lot of talk around some of these tools um, replacing manual artists, but, but, but it's also, you know, enabling performance artists to go and actually be, driving these characters and, and, and creating more opportunities there. So I think, yeah, I, I think it will you know, continue to, to shift. And, and uh, again, we talk about that job displacement versus creation of opportunity. I think that it's, 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 it's always going to find some way of, of balancing out um, because the artist is, is essential in the process. And I think one thing like, um, I mean, Avatar is a good example, right? The reason why that movie is so good, obviously there's thousands of VFX artists, but performers there are incredible, mm. right? And uh, the, the producer of Avatar always, uh, uh, always says it's performance capture, mm. not motion mm -hmm. capture. Because mm -hmm. it's not just motion, you're capturing their performance. And we fall in love with those characters just because of those like, subtle human movements in, you know, in their eyes, their cheeks. And, 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 and so I think that's, that's really what, what you cannot replace. Mm -hmm. It's really, really yeah. hard. I'm really curious because earlier you said when you were working on Ready Player One, that was actually really interesting because you didn't have anything to work with and everything mm -hmm. had to come from your imagination. Mm. I feel like the, what this new technology allows you to do is to capture motion or performances outside, like with the actual environment. Yeah. Do you think that will actually change the way in which people tell stories or different? Sure, I think it's also, I mean, Motion capture is a lot of fun, the imagination part, but it's also those suits are so sweaty. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you've got those weird head cameras and you know, you're doing in intimate scenes with someone, you get your camera hooked onto their camera, you're like, oh. <laughs> you know, so I think it does take a lot of the uh, awkwardness out of, out of what so we talked, we always talked about like the setups. So you have a shot you're doing, even if you're doing live action motion capture outside, right? You set up your shot or your scene, and then you want to move, comp do a company move because you know a DP mm. or director saw something. They're like, "That looks beautiful. Let's go shoot there." You have to. You can't just go do it. You have to wait for all the equipment that gets transferred. Uh, yeah, because essentially they, they have to calibrate this entire Vicon infrared performance capture system, which takes hours and hours and hours. So yeah, if you're if the director is like, "Hey, I actually want to shoot in that." that adjacent room right there, I mean, it's impossible. So I think allowing crews to be more nimble, ah. to have more flexibility uh, in terms of shooting locations, I think is definitely an opportunity that, as well. That being said, there's, there's a reason the suits are st still being used at the highest level, because the millimeter precision is still mm -hmm. hard in AI mocap. It will get there. We're adding some really, really complex uh, uh, math and kind of logical understanding of human mo movement to our algorithms. But I think there's still, you know, it's like it's not just going to happen overnight. Yeah. Um, well, guys, we got. 30 more seconds. seconds. Anyone, <laughs> any um, last comments or thoughts? Yeah, no, I think that the, one, of the, one of the 
points is that uh, artists will bring sophistication in how do, do you use these tools. I think that these tools, by making some things easy, they will all po also open the door to making other things, other things harder. That's right. Which are the interesting right. things. And Absolutely. that's where the sophistication will come back. Absolutely. Great. Well, th well, thank you so much, everybody, for coming out. We really appreciate this. Thank you, South by Southwest, for having us. Thank you.